Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. There are many things out there that supposedly offer a better life, a way to reach your goals and fulfill your dreams. Many preach and teach about how different your life could be if you did certain things. But the truth is that if something is based to just improve your life here and now, it is not really the best that is available. This world and everything in it will all pass someday. And if you are focused on the here and now only, then that's all you're going to get. But God has so much more for us, way beyond the here and now. But we need to have a personal encounter with Him in order to attain what He truly wants for us. And when we truly understand that, then Jesus becomes the focus of our lives, and that within itself changes everything within us. We are no longer the same anymore. Please stay with us as we look together into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us pray to the Lord together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, May you be praised and exalted and blessed forever and ever. For you are worthy to be praised and exalted above all things, O Lord, for you alone are God. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the gift of salvation that we have through him. I give you thanks, O Lord, that our lives can be changed, transformed, and made new through Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you please forgive my sins. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to have humble hearts. Help us to understand, Lord God, the great things that you have for us and that you desire an intimate and close relationship with each and every person, O Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to be sensitive to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 26. This is the word of the Lord. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, 
Along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice, and those who sat with him. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. People in general share with others many things. Some talk about movies, about restaurants, about certain foods, and how delicious they are, about a certain experience they had, and so on. There are folks that talk about their new relationship, their children, and their achievements, and or their grandkids. And of course, they usually show pictures or short video clips or something like that. Other people may talk about their hobbies or their favorite sports teams and the big game they saw over the weekend. People in general tell others many things and all of the time, and they are usually not ashamed of talking about them. They usually share openly. It's just something we do, and we do it all of the time. And so what determines what we usually talk about? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the following. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so our heart is what determines what we speak of 
based on what it is mostly full of. If you want to know what is in your heart, I would challenge you to think about what you're always talking about. Find a quiet spot somewhere and replay the events of your life, your conversations with other people, and think for a few minutes about what you are usually talking about with others. Ask yourself this, what am I overflowing with? What do I talk about usually, freely, without any kind of prompting? Some of you may realize that, you know, you talk about different things that we mentioned above. There may be some of you that might say that they are usually arguing with their spouse or with their kids and that there are really no conversations per se. Some might say that they usually talk about politics or the economy. At the end of the day, the way you can tell where your heart is, what it is full of, is by examining what comes out of your mouth. Now, here is the ultimate challenge for the believer in Christ. How much do you talk about Jesus, about his word with others? Now, it is completely understandable that at work you need to talk about work because that's necessary. Although many people talk about everything except for work while they should be discussing work matters, but that's a different message. But outside of your obligations, outside of the things that you need to do, do you talk about Jesus? Is his word coming out of your mouth and into the ears of others? Let's start looking at Paul. Why was Paul able to talk about Jesus? Now, some may think that, well, Paul was able to because he has completely dedicated his life to the ministry. But I would also need to remind you that although Paul was, in fact, completely dedicated to the ministry to be sharing about Jesus Christ, he usually kept a secular job also. He worked to support himself and help others, so he had secular obligations like most of us do. Paul had a day job. He was a tent maker. So Paul didn't have the luxury that many preachers and pastors and evangelists have today, that they are financially supported by others so they can concentrate on the ministry. Paul didn't get paid to preach. He didn't make a living out of it. And so let's ask the question again. Why was Paul able to talk about Jesus as much as he did? We see in this passage that rather than defending himself and pleading for his life, he took the opportunity through the leadership of the Holy Spirit to talk about his own life experience with Christ, about who he was before and about what God had done in him, and actually talk about the reason for why he was being persecuted because he got arrested for talking about Jesus because some people in power just didn't like it. Preaching the gospel was what got him in trouble. So Paul was not able to keep quiet about Jesus. Paul was no undercover Christian. He was very outspoken about his faith in Christ. And quite actually, his mission in life was not his secular career or anything else. His mission in life was precisely to share the gospel with as many people as were willing to listen and to help others that did come to believe to help them grow in Christ. And in turn, equip them to continue with the mission of spreading the gospel as well. But ultimately, what drove Paul to do this? Why did he start dedicating his life to do one thing and then wind up doing something completely different with his life? And there is only one answer. Paul had a, an encounter with the Lord. Paul had a life-changing experience with God. When Jesus Christ stepped into his life, Paul's world was changed, transformed. He went from being someone and doing something to becoming someone else and doing something completely different. His whole life changed course. And so 
this personal and intimate encounter with God changed him completely. And that's why he could not keep to himself his faith. And he felt so desperately the need to share with others. Basically with the whole world, this message of salvation. When you have a personal encounter with God, your life should change. There should be this transformation, this night and day experience in your life where God starts taking precedent over everything in your life because you are experiencing God in a very literal kind of way. Now, you may not fall off a horse because of a shining bright light that came upon you suddenly where God speaks to you like what happened to Paul, but God does reach out to us all of the time and in different ways. As for me personally, God spoke to me through a person that took a few minutes to share the gospel with me when I was very young, when my life was completely falling apart. And on that day, my life was changed, transformed, never to be the same ever again. I remember that moment like yesterday. It was April 4th, 1982, when I gave my life over to Christ and I felt the touch of God in my life. God gave into my heart and remained in there since through faith in Jesus Christ. After that moment, I have never been the same again. And similar to Paul, that moment in time, that experience of surrendering my life to Jesus Christ is what fuels my desire to share the gospel with as many people as are willing to listen. I'm no Paul, obviously, because Paul was Paul. But I feel compelled to share God's word, Jesus Christ with people in one way or another within the opportunities that are made available. Jesus spoke about this encounter with God as a new birth, as something that needs to happen, that it's a requirement. So a person can not only see the kingdom of God, but also enter it. John 3 verse 1 to 8 tells us this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. And so... Following Christ is not a religion per se. Following him has nothing to do with being evangelical or Baptist or Catholic or Pentecostal or adopting liturgical practices and so on. You're not saved by being a good person or a member of a church or because you give tithes and offerings or even because you preach or do miracles or speak in tongues or anything like that. You can only be saved through this new birth in Christ by repenting and converting from all of your sins which is what being born of water means, the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist preached about when he was preparing the way for the Lord, and accepting and making Jesus Christ the effective and literal Lord of your life. Then, and only then, and through that decision, through that faith, is that a person will both see and enter the kingdom of God. 
And when that new birth genuinely happens, then we are transformed, changed, made different and new in Christ and through Christ. That is why Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 explains to us that when we are in Christ, everything is changed, where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus makes us new. He changes our lives inside out. We become something new and different. When we surrender our lives to Jesus fully and completely, everything is turned around in us and he becomes the focus of our lives. It's no longer about doing what we want, but rather looking to do what he wants us to do. His will takes priority over our will. When God comes into the picture of our life, when he sits on the throne of our heart, something incredible and awesome happens. And that is what fuels this desire to follow him, to do what he says, to be transformed. God fills the void of our heart. We're no longer empty inside. Will life be perfect after that? Of course not, because we still live in a fallen and sin-ridden world. We will still have sin in our flesh. Will we be made perfect right away? No, of course not. That's a process that can only happen through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God over time. But despite all that, life does change dramatically, like night and day. We are transformed. We no longer desire to do those things we used to do, nor have the desire to be what we used to be. Everything changes as a result of making that decision to fully and completely repent and convert from all of our sins and by making Jesus the literal Lord of our lives. John chapter 7 verse 37 to 39 tells us this, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Paul was overflowing because of his faith in Christ, because the Holy Spirit was in full operation in his life. Paul had nothing within him that was hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. When we willfully commit sin, we hinder and quench the Holy Spirit. But when our lives are committed to the Lord and we submit our sinful members to follow and obey Christ, then the Holy Spirit is free to do whatever he wants. Jesus foretold moments precisely like these that Paul lived through, like the one we read of at the beginning, whereas Christians would someday stand before other people and need to testify of him. In Luke chapter 12, verse 11 to 12 says this, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So what Paul spoke about in this passage was not rehearsed or memorized. It just flowed out of him, just like Jesus said it would, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it flowed because Paul was not thinking carnally at the moment. He wasn't putting his own flesh desires first. 
The gospel was shared not out of duty, but because people were overflowing with gratefulness towards God, because they had the voids of their hearts filled, because they realized the incredible grace and mercy that was being dispensed on them through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ because ultimately their lives were transformed by the Lord himself. Now, I hope you may be asking yourself this. What has changed today? Why do we not see this great transformation in many people's lives? Why aren't there many people like Paul around us in our daily lives? And the answer is that the message in general is different. It's been changed. It has been greatly polluted. Many, many so-called preachers and teachers and ministers or motivational speakers or life coaches, as some are called now, may mention the name Jesus Christ and many even use Bible passages to speak on. But it is not the same gospel. It's something else, unfortunately. And it's a combination between personal gain and giving people what many want to hear. On the one hand, there is a considerable group of people within our own churches that use different mediums to talk about things that seem like God, that sound like the truth, but yet have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People in general talk about different things like how to try to use faith in God to get what you want to accomplish your own goals. That within itself has nothing to do with faith in Christ, nor the reason for why Jesus died on the cross to begin with. We have these feel-good messages, inspirational teachings, if you will, so they encourage you and make you feel better. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, though within itself, does produce great joy, not necessarily happiness because that is a circumstance-driven issue, is not meant to be a help-me-feel-better-today kind of thing. It's not a pep talk or a way of thinking positively. The gospel is not about self-help or self-motivation. It is certainly not about financial gain at all. Let's face it, Jesus was poor while here on earth. The moment that anything that is taught or shared has to do with anything that makes man or the flesh the center of it, that's the moment that it has nothing to do with the pure and holy gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so we could necessarily improve our lives here on earth. Jesus Christ was not focused on the temporary world at all. If he healed people, it was to show that he was and is God. If he raised the dead, it was to demonstrate that he had power over death. He multiplied the loaves of bread and fish so that people could see that he came from God. Are you understanding the big difference between what is the truth and what we're being fed today? Jesus also said this in John chapter 10, where it says, Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so, you have this group of people that preach and share things that may sound nice, that may even sound like the truth, but it is nowhere near what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is. And the reason why those people preach and teach the things of that nature is because they see a large group of people, the general audience, if you will, 
that is looking for things like that. They're trying to give the people what they want. People today in general are mainly focused on today, on their physical and temporary needs. They want to get solutions for the present. They want to accomplish their will. And if God is not made to fill that mold somehow, their mold, then God is not a God of worthy to be followed. People in general look to have a God that serves them. It is no longer as Jesus prayed, thy will be done, but rather my will be done. That's why we are fed in general the garbage that is out there because it is garbage. If it's not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, as a matter of fact, gave very clear warning to the people at Galatia when he saw that they were drifting away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 1 says this, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I have say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. It does not get any more clearer than that. So what is the complete gospel of Jesus Christ? It's very simple. What Jesus came to do. Mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 15 says this. Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That is the gospel message. That is how you are born again. That is how your life is changed. That is the reason for why Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came to this earth so he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so he could die for us, and so he could also be raised from the dead at the third day by the Father and finally after ascending to take his place on his throne in heaven. There is no other message that is why not all religions can come from the same God because there are not many paths to the one true God. There is only one path to God and that is acknowledging, repenting and turning away from all of your sin and making Jesus the Lord of your life to believe in the gospel, in the person of Jesus Christ. That's all there is and that's all we have and that's all we will ever need. If there's anything else, just as it is written in Galatians, let them be accursed and their false message accursed because there is no salvation or eternal life in anything else, no matter how much it may sound like the truth or how nice and appealing it may be to our flesh's desires. This is what the Bible keeps on telling us. In Mark chapter 16, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. When you have a personal encounter with God through Jesus Christ, that is what should compel you to talk to others about Jesus Christ, your faith in him, because he has changed your life and your desire should be for others' lives to be changed. 
It's not right to just hold on to this answer to life itself and keep it to yourself while there is an entire world living in misery, in chaos and self-destruction all around you. I remember what it was like before coming to Christ, and it was terrible, empty. My life was void. It was confusing feelings of hopelessness and loneliness, even though I had people around me, even though I had my parents that loved me. Life had no real meaning for me before Christ. But after Jesus stepped in, after he came into my life, that was when it all turned around and it became a completely different story. I can't say enough about what Jesus has done in my life and how I can get through every day knowing that he is with me and that no matter what happens, that he will always be there with me and that I have this eternal hope of salvation that I have the best to look forward to. So no matter if things are okay now or they are in very bad shape, no matter what my condition could be in this temporary world, I always have Jesus Christ and an eternity with him to look forward to. That is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the joy that comes with knowing the author and creator of life itself. The message should always be Jesus, his word. Second Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. When Jesus is in your life, your natural inclination should be to look for him, to look for his word, to want to learn who he is, and to desire to do what he wants you to do. That should be our natural response for when God himself, through faith in Jesus, comes to live in our heart. John chapter 14, verse 23 to 24, tells us this. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. The spirit of the living God, of the eternal God was living inside of Paul's life. That is why Paul spoke about him. And not only did he speak of him, but also showed him in his actions in his day to day life because words alone are cheap. Actions for Christ are what really matter. The same spirit burns inside of my life as well. That's why I share and try to do God's will in my life. God is in the business of changing lives. And when he is in a person's heart, he changes everything. And this overwhelming desire to work for him, to serve him, comes from deep within and is expressed in actions that bring him honor and glory because faith without works is dead. When a person has had a personal encounter with God through Jesus Christ, they desire to talk about Jesus and to show Jesus, ultimately to live for Jesus. He becomes a reason for their existence. The ultimate goal of the Bible, the reason for why everything that is written is to make us aware and help us find God. And the Word of God points out the different outcomes that can happen in your life depending on what you choose to do with this truth. Whether you decide to embrace it or not. If you decide to believe in Jesus Christ and choose to wholeheartedly repent and convert from all of your sins and make Jesus the effective and literal Lord of your life, then great and amazing things can happen which all start with having a personal, genuine and intimate encounter with God. When you ask God to come into your life, it is something 
life-changing that happens. God literally steps into your heart and fills you up. The Holy Spirit begins to operate in you to cause changes through the guidance of God's Word. The Holy Trinity starts working together so that you can be changed, transformed, regenerated, and made new. And when they start working in your life, your view should go from earthbound to heavenbound. It's not that God doesn't care about your present circumstances, because He cares for us greatly, but He is more interested in the things that lead Him to eternity. His main goal is for us to enter His kingdom, to receive the eternal rewards that are reserved for those that love Him. But in order for that to happen, it is necessary to be very careful to what you listen to and read. Not everything out there is the truth. Not everything out there is shared with good intentions. Actually, quite the contrary, most of it is bad. That's the truth. We need to look for the truth of God through His Word. The Bible teaches us this in Matthew chapter 7, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and then many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so, what is the will of the Father? To repent, to turn away from all of your sins, and to convert to Jesus Christ and make Him the literal Lord of your life. And through that, to learn how to love God above all things and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the truth of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, how it needs to be fulfilled. This is the all of man. If you have not had yet this personal encounter with God through Jesus Christ, I urge you to do that today. Don't leave for tomorrow for something that should happen right now for your own good. Repent and believe in the gospel. Make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Lord God, you are the true and living God. You are the one that was, that is, and is to come. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are a living God, a real God. Someone that wants to change our lives and transform us and make us into something new and different and eternal through Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the new life that we can have through Him. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray for everybody that is listening. Heavenly Father, that they may just make sure that you are in their lives, that they have come to experience this precious encounter with you in a personal, intimate, and real way, and that they may make you the Lord of their lives, that they are no longer more in command of their lives, but that they may be able to surrender their lives to you for their own salvation, for their own good, and for those that surround them. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you because we can have a real hope in you, an eternal hope. Heavenly Father, help us to always have our eyes set on Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh Lord, to look away from those things, Lord God, that mean to take us away from you 
from your principles, from the truth of your gospel. And help us, O oh Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And to know that one day we will stand before your throne and we will need to give an account. And all the truth will be revealed. Help us, O oh Lord, to be worthy through Jesus Christ when that day comes that we may be able to stand and hear your sweet words say, Come, enter into my kingdom. Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that you help us to always be mindful that everything that is here, all day will go away. And that the only thing that remains forever and ever is our souls through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.